Let it start, and then, I don't know, I'll edit it or something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or or this will never air. Who knows? Doesn't matter. We'll see how it goes. Uh, it, yeah. It's all depends how it goes. All depends how it goes, you know? Uh, maybe I'll just, I'll just pitch it to the Times. Maybe they need a wrestling podcast. The Times? The New York Times or another Times? Any, any of them. Any Times? Okay. Any Times. <laughs> we could syndicate any, like Dilbert. Any place, any Times. That's, That's your right. new motto. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if there's anything the New York Times is missing, it is a solid uh, wrestling podcast. They don't. Ha- they don't oh. have one. No, you could be the. You could be the New York Times wrestling podcaster. I, I think could be. That the, that I is. could be the David Pogue of of pro wrestling criticism. That would be a. I'm trying to think of. Wouldn't it be wire cutter? I would have to be like ace cutter. Wouldn't it? Yes, it would be the ace cutter. <laughs> Super cutter party. Yeah. Uh, Richard, how you been? Well, I really invite people to call me Rich, but it's been going pretty well. Rich, how you been? I know that. Oh, not too bad. It's okay. We so, only did 60 episodes together. <laughs> so, um, should I just start? I have a, I have an idea. Yeah, you, and... you, you like pitched me, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know that you're not much for shoot sports. So, but you are one for internet culture. Yeah, so sure. The NBA fans have a reputation right now of caring more about the off-season moves than they do about what actually happens during the regular season. They uh, like the trades and stuff. Yes, the trades, the draft pick, all the minutiae about moving around, who gets what, who will be on what team. Sure. And by the time the season starts, they're kind of like worn out. So, well, that's their season, right? <laughs> that's some of their season, yeah. It's yeah. the internet season. Yeah, the, and, the who's going to play on what team. That's a whole season of entertainment for some people. You're right. No, oh, I'm I'm aware of like the the people who almost prefer the the draft drama to the actual okay. sport. So I saw the CM Punk debut and heard people saying that like that's the best moment in wrestling they've ever been live for, or the best moment in wrestling that they've seen, and some of them ever. Yeah, and it made me think of the the NBA people who like the draft sure. more than because in a in an interesting way, this isn't just like. It seems like less than a premiere. Like, it's not just the premiere, like a TV show. It's not like the first episode of Lost, even. What they did, basically, was the upfronts and say, we have CM Punk now. And we sold out a building just so people could see that we really have CM Punk now. There was not really a face-to-face. He pointed to someone up in the rafters. Mm-hmm. There was not really... He didn't get involved in some a storyline that was going on. He just said, I'm here. Yeah, And this is fascinating to me, that people got so happy just for him to say that. The only other, like, so, like, most most of the time in, like, a real sport, um, what they do is, like, they hold a press conference, right? Or, like, they do the draft proper, and they, like, say, we pick this person live on TV, and that person goes, uh, picks up a jersey, and they sit down, and they answer some questions, right? That's generally how it goes. Uh, Yes. Sometimes in real sports, they do do like a TV special. I, I remember, again, this this might have been five years ago. This might have been 15 years ago. I actually have no idea. But like there was the I remember there was a TV special about LeBron James and what team he would end up playing for that season. And they made a huge deal about him, like deciding one way or the other. 
if you type in LeBron James the decision just comes up uh, yeah. automatically. Yeah, that was a that yeah. was a big one if I recall, and I definitely don't remember what year that yes. happened in. Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. That was okay. July of two thousand ten. So right in between tw- five and fifteen years ago. So yeah. So you're you're saying this is like the decision. This is like he's doing a whole half hour or seventy five minutes was how long that one was. Wow. Oh my god. He's doing that's a- milking it. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is somewhere between the decision and the parade that WCW held for Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I had forgotten about the parade. The I, I've been thinking about the parade ever since CM Punk, ever since they sold out the United Center on the promise of something. Like they were, they were coy about it, but not very coy. And that was kind of, it was kind of nice in a way. Like uh, they were like, look, we're. Everybody knows what we're doing, but we can't say it because that'll ruin the quote-unquote surprise. And the quote-unquote surprise is about making all of the people in the audience feel really good that they guessed correctly. That's what the ice cream bars are for, right? Yeah, that's the, the, uh, yeah, you got it right (laughs) reward. Could you imagine if you were maybe going to buy a ticket? But then you didn't buy a ticket because you're like, you know what? I think they're going to do a bullshit bait and switch job and it's going to be someone else. And and it's going to be typical wrestling crap where they they lie to us to get us to buy a ticket. Uh, They I'll say this. AEW hasn't done that yet. AEW has not (laughs) pulled out those moves yet. No, I don't want to talk about it too much, but they did promise a good women's division. (laughs) That's not a bait and switch rather than a misunderstanding of what good is. So it's not that they promise something to be good. It's like everyone you ever hire promises to be confident at their job. Right. I suppose. I suppose that's the same thing. They did kind of wiffle ball the death match earlier this year. I think that was their most high high profile, like obvious screw up. Um, Uh. But, you know, I, you're right. They're few and far between. And I've, I've heard a lot of people call AEW a fan service uh, promotion, um, which I, th- I think is pretty fitting. And I think this was this was a, 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 a huge, huge helping of fan service um, in the vein that um, in the vein that you're talking about for the sports fan style who prefers the draft to the sport. Um, that's well, why he didn't have a face to face. That's why there wasn't like a an altercation or anything like that, right? I think this is this is just for the the speculation fan. I I will say so. I want to. I'll get back to. It. I want to agree with you, but like something I thought of earlier is that all of the wrestling fans that are left right now are the children of Dave Meltzer, not the literal children, but the children of the Wrestling Observer. We don't know. I mean, you don't. You never a hundred percent know if you're Dave Meltzer's uh, kid or not. <laughs> well, I hundred percent know I'm not. Let's just say that. The but, chances of being Dave Meltzer's kid are low, but never zero. I'm just saying I'm the spitting image of my father. But <laughs> that being said, I think it's like the. I, I okay, it's not all, but I was just thinking this is a promotion mm-hmm. that came out of someone who was big on the Death Valley Driver forums, mm-hmm. a big Wrestling Observer reader, mm-hmm. and this is what this has become. 
extremely online and, wrestling fan. Yeah, and there's an idea. This is this leads. There are a couple ideas here, but I really think that that is part of what's going on with AEW and who's left. Mm. So this kind of leads me to Ida. So this is this is just the beginning of the story. So to me, it can't be the best wrestling event ever. You take umbrage with that as an old yes, school WCW person. It, there's a lot of promise and they might not <laughs> screw it up. And if the end of the story is great, this could be the this could be the great moment that start the story. Mm-hmm. But this is barely the start of the story. Like I understand that I know people who can recite first lines of novels that are awesome. I know people who memorize them. But do you know what about any of those novels? None of them suck. None <laughs> of those true. first great lines of novels that everyone no you can't tell me the first great line of like the first line of like fast couch or you know what I'm saying? Pick a novel I, that you that disappointed su- that in. That sucks, yeah. 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 Like I can't remember what the first line of Girlfriend in a coma is so right, but um, no, I I get what you mean. I yeah, I <laughs> I there's a little part of me that's just like let people enjoy it. Let let people bask I, for a few days in what is what is a special moment for where I would say specifically longtime wrestling fans, and what is maybe a puzzling moment for new wrestling fans if there are any. I, I'm not I I don't want, I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum. I yeah. haven't gone into the Facebook groups or online and just spewed this everywhere. Yeah. Because I think there's something, there's a opinion. I'm not trying to run them down, but I'm just like, I'm just a little skeptical. If this is an awesome story, if an awesome story plays out, I'll tip my hat and say, you did this the best you could. Mm-hmm. So um, another thing about this, about you're, AEW. You're just, you're just not going to give them a dump truck full of compliments for uh, writing a perfectly good first sentence. Correct. I'm not. I'm not going to say. Um, if they came to my town after when I can start going to wrestling shows again, I would go see them. They have. I have enough credit. They have enough credibility with me. I would pay to go see them in my town. They're so. inexpensive too. They're a cheap ticket from what from so, what I've seen. They're a, they're an affordable show. Oh, if they get to San Francisco I'll, uh, or San Jose, I'll find out. Yeah. So no, I, I, but, at least when I see the show and they're always like tickets start at 25 bucks. And I'm like, that's like early 2000s ticket costs for, for, for big shows usually. So, yeah. And they're, they're what, nine, 12 hours long with all of the dark and dark elevation tapings you got to sit through as well. Oh, that's a good, good price. I right? guess they want you to buy a lot of, uh, a lot of concessions. You can yeah, pack you're, away you're, a lot of ice cream bars. You're there, you're there for a little while when you go to an AEW show, I bet. So um, this re- leads me to another idea about AEW. Um, I am old enough to remember before Hulkamania mm-hmm. that Hulkamania, Hulkamania in the modern parlance starts uh, January of 1984. I'm just going to put the line there, and I don't want to go have someone yell at me because Hulk Hogan coined it in AWA because that doesn't count. That's like prehistory. Yeah. So I'm old enough to remember wrestling fans in my town before Hulkamania and my classmates and their parents. One thing I can say, all of them I remember worked blue collar jobs, all the parents. Mm-hmm. So wrestling had a very blue collar parlance in me growing up. And 
Hulkamania changed that some. That so many kids got into wrestling. Kids of people who were white collar workers and who were professionals and who were doctors and lawyers. So a lot of that changed. But what I see, this is gets back to what I'm saying about the children of uh, of the Wrestling Observer. What I hear, my number one news source, my number one source is internet podcasts for wrestling. Almost every wrestler, almost everyone who I know who's a wrestling podcaster is a professional class. Even the ones who, I, who don't have college degrees, they're managers, they, they're achievers. And AEW, to me, is one of these things where, like, all the AEW fans I know of, they're not blue-collar people. They're not, like, it's an upper-class wrestling fan. I find that intriguing. That is intriguing. I've never thought of it that and, way. And part of this, I will see when they come to my town, if that holds, it's the, the wrestling cognoscenti. Mm. <laughs> I just hope I'm using that word correctly. <laughs> um, but I think that, that that's it. And it's like, when I went, when I go to WWE shows, it's clearly not the case. Hmm. WWE shows in San Francisco and San Jose still have a heavy blue collar attraction to them. That's interesting. I guess I would have figured that WWE would skew more for families. Like... Like, the, like, this is the kind of thing you bring the whole immediate family to, like, kids, parents, that sort of thing, um, well, for WWE. Uh, the, whereas I think of I think of every single other promotion as something you go to alone. You don't, you leave the kids at home? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, so, like, you're not bringing the kids to Ring of Honor, you know? That's sort of thing. I, I have to say, at the last, it's been a while since I've been to a New Japan show. The last New Japan show I was at, there were no kids at. It, yes, New Japan exact is exactly what I'm thinking. Like I would, I would go to New Japan alone, maybe with a friend of my own age, right? I, I will say, like the kids, the the parent child things I saw at the New New Japan show were kids in their 20s and parents who are in their 50s. Perfect. I, perfect. I saw some of those groups at New Japan. Right. So people who, I bet you, those kids were like went to WCW shows in the Cow Palace. I would love to take my grandfather to a New Japan Pro Wrestling show. I think he'd completely love it. Oh, but I find it an interesting idea. And I wonder, like, I kind of wonder about the class. And I wonder about that when it comes to demographics of wrestling fans. I'm always thinking about demographics of wrestling fans. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the... I actually think this is one of those things that people like um, Jim Cornette tapping into without even knowing it. I think that wrestling fans no longer being majority blue collar mm. is kind of the things he's talking about by how the wrestling business is no longer taken seriously. This is my, okay, so I, I don't know any facts about this. You'd have to ask Chris Harrington about the yeah. facts on this kind of stuff. So this is purely conjecture on my part, but I think mixed martial arts took all the blue collar fans. Um, I, I think they, I they just believe that. I just I, I think they just like drank their milkshake when it came to the when it came to blue collar fans. And l let me be clear, I don't entirely know what a blue collar worker is in 2021. Because um, like I'm pretty sure you need a college degree or a something to do pretty much every job now. Uh, <laughs> So I don't, well, I don't, I don't know how much that's still like a a, a modern framework, 
but maybe you just look at it as sort of like a financial ceiling. Uh, I don't know. There's definitely, I definitely run into people who are blue collar in my everyday life. Hmm. There's definitely in San Jose as a city. Um, there, I don't know. Like there, the funny thing is there's things like there's jobs that pay well that you don't need a college degree for. Hmm. And then there are jobs who definitely don't pay as well that are very blue collar. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I, I want to be clear. I haven't left my bedroom in two years. Uh, ostensibly uh, so i yeah. i don't feel qualified for that one so yeah i i can see that i mean i have uh, but i also ha have not you know what i mean i i do so i do say that i do get when i go to the grocery store i do get people like i'll wear i am the guy who wears pro wrestling t-shirts in public Mm. So I will get comments on my pro wrestling t-shirts at the grocery store from the people who work there. Yeah. Not everyone, but one or two will give me a too sweet or a, give me a, some kind of a, a yes. My Daniel Bryant shirt collections, I'll get a yes every once in a while. Do you, do you appreciate the recognition? I do. I like cool. it. I've always, I've, uh, I've, I've thought about that occasionally because I'll, I'll just be, I'll be, I'll be walking around in my neighborhood trying to avoid human contact and uh uh i'll see a guy you know 30 yards away wearing a bullet club shirt um and 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 you know part of me wants to go hey uh you know same <laughs> right but like there's also that like uh afraid of human contact situation well also you get, and think... you never know you know it's it's the old don't talk <laughs> to strangers thing but san jose sounds friendly I think you could get away with the air too sweet. With an air too sweet to a bullet club guy? Yeah, you could just hold up the too sweet and go, too yeah. sweet, dude. You could be like, I am also a fan of Haku. I think you could go, Gorillas of Destiny forever! Haku is legitimately my favorite <laughs> bullet club member. Always has been. Well, I would, I, I'm never ever going to say anything mean about Haku. Because... Because he's a mean motherfucker. <laughs> he might just take it personally. I would never want that. I always want, want to say good things about Haku. That's right. That's right. Always good about Haku. Haku's great. Yeah, he is great. <laughs> and you do think that he's living his best life when he shows up on one of their shows. He looks so happy. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but so class is one thing, and that kind of makes me interested. I do wonder if there's an undercurrent of wrestling fans that don't get on podcasts so we don't talk about them they they're not on reddit on the squared circle reddit forums they're not putting in so we have this whole um generation of people i've put a t i'm on a facebook group a wrestling facebook group and i asked if the traveling wrestlemania show is bad for wrestling and i got blank stares and got how could that possibly be true mm. that these that everyone doing these super indie WrestleMania shows would be bad for wrestling. So the, I, I wonder about that. Huh. But there are certain things that are unquestionably good. I, you know me, I ask lots of questions about these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you've given me a lot to think about. This is good. This is good stuff. Um... So other thing I thought about with CM Punk is I think CM Punk's more famous for outside the ring than inside the ring. Oh, yeah. At least, 
I think like he's more famous like as a wrestler. It's off the top of my head, I could not think of like a rest like a five star match of his. A uh, match where like I thought I saw it and it was like my breath was taken away. There was you know, and 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 I I, I liked him as a wrestler. Like he's he's not like one of those guys who comes in and he's all personality and no technical knowledge. Yeah. He he's he's good. Um uh I I always thought of punk and there's a lot of wrestlers like this where I always thought of punk as as good as his dance partner. Yeah. Uh, um never better than his dance partner and never worse than his yeah. dance partner. He could rise to the occasion of whoever he was wrestling against. So he could have a great match against Daniel Bryan and he could have a two-star match against Triple H and those things could happen in the same like 3 month period. Yeah. You know? Uh <laughs> right? He's but he's not getting a five-star match at a Triple H. But and he's and he's not dragging Daniel Bryan down to a two-star match. He has would... always had a lot of fans though. He oh, always Oh, sure. Very sold magnetic. a lot of merch. Oh yeah. Had a lot of fans. Yeah. And he's magnetic. He's extremely magnetic yeah. and charismatic. Um, I did I did tweet out uh, right before Rampage that I was like, I'm really looking forward to CM Punk doing that one wrestling move he's known for. What kind of response did you get to that? I got one reply from from Adam pointing out that he he used to rip off the Macho Man's elbow drop and I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> but like that's I don't think that's why people like to watch CM Punk. They don't like to watch him because he does cool suplexes. That's that's not what he brings to the show. Uh, he brings other very important things in pro wrestling to the pro wrestling show, which is just like incredible presence. I will admit here, I have not found AEW in ring that compelling so far. Well, I think that's just like the style doesn't agree with maybe what you think a whole wrestling show should have. Um, it's a very different style. Uh, I think it's its own thing. Um, I think it, I, it's interesting because I, for the most part, I have really enjoyed when I get to watch New Japan. I've really enjoyed New Japan in the ring. But have and you I, enjoyed New Japan in the ring like in the last two years? I I have to admit I haven't watched too much of the pandemic wrestling. I get yeah, to watch but... very little wrestling right now. <laughs> I would I would say that um maybe maybe a handful of matches feel like the New Japan Pro Wrestling that I know, but for the most part, the last 2 years of New Japan Pro Wrestling matches have been markedly worse than they were a couple years ago. And I'm not just saying that because like there were Bullet Club guys there a couple years ago. Like like the year after the Bucks and Kenny left, um, uh, for about a solid year after that, it was still really really great. And then I think the pandemic yeah. just knocked everybody out. Um, like they lost. Like I'd say they lost a third of their roster to the U.S. Yeah. They were just stuck there, so they had a kind of a skeleton crew. Um, and the people that were there, I think just they they started wrestling without fans for a little while and then they got some fans and I feel like the pace just never picked up again. Um, yeah. You know, so like there's still a couple of really exciting matches with especially I would say Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb has been the MVP of the last couple of years um, and Kota Ibushi, obviously. Um, yeah. But outside of them, I feel like everybody is stuck in second gear there. 
So I, two years ago, I went to see New Japan Live. Two years ago today. Hmm. So that was uh, that just came up in my Facebook memories. Yeah, that they would uh, they were still going hot there. I would say probably when the pandemic. I did not. I have not watched very much mm-hmm. wrestling during the pandemic. I have not mm-hmm. had the time, which is totally understandable. Yeah, sure. So, I no, yeah, it's... pretty much all of my New Japan time has gone to watching um, their sister um, company, Stardom, yeah. and uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. Where uh, and it's just because I've had a little bit more time in the pandemic, stuck in my room, not going anywhere. I've had a little bit more time, yeah. so I've, I've checked out more promotions, um, and that's that's been interesting to me. Um, uh, you know, I have recommendations and stuff, but like I, I don't know if any of it's particularly game changing. Although Tokyo Joshi is insane enough sometimes to be <laughs> very interesting to watch. Um, uh yeah but but yeah new japan i just feel like is really uh really fallen south um what but i have to ask this what is kim compelling about the joshi wrestling to you um i'm a big fan of like technically novel and interesting wrestling um so i can i i'm pretty good about going into a wrestling show without knowing who anybody is and 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 being entertained by it because i'm i'm generally less interested in someone's presence and who their character is than what they do in the ring and i've been around a long time and so it it takes a lot to make me go oh holy shit that was cool um and i've seen a lot of that in the joshi wrestling in the last couple years where it's just like there's a lot of innovation happening just like move to move innovation um, that I don't see in I don't see in men's wrestling. Period. Is it a matter of physics? The innovation. Maybe. It, it might be a matter of physics. Okay. Uh, it might be a matter of um, they're a lot younger generally. Like like the wrestlers in Tokyo Joshi yeah. and Stardom are 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 very young wrestlers compared to who you see in AEW and WWE and yeah. New Japan. Like New Japan especially seems like a very aging roster. Like the, I feel like the average yeah. age in New Japan is like thirty-five, you know. Whereas everyone in Stardom, I think, is under the age of twenty-five. And I, so I have, to... it's a bit like watching like rookie hockey sometimes. Like, <laughs> right? You watch like the NHL for a year, and then you go back and you watch like uh, provincial rookie hockey, and you're like, "Holy shit, these guys are fast! They're fast and out of control." Yeah. That, when you say rookie hockey to me, that's what I think of. Juniors hockey is about like really fast guys who can't quite keep it, keep the puck on the stick. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's to me, that's Joshi wrestling right now. A lot of, a lot of very young, extremely hungry and energetic performers who are actually getting like the most attention they have in 25 years. Uh, you know, if you go back to the 90s, there's some extremely hot Joshi wrestling stuff going on. Um, but it's it's been a minute, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, so I, I, I find it entertaining. Um, and there is a sprinkle of that in AEW because they, they have a business relationship with Tokyo Joshi where they, yeah. they sort of have a talent exchange um, going on. Uh, but, yeah, that's that that's what's interesting to me lately. Um, I do watch AEW. I don't watch it every week, and I agree with you that the 
wrestling style isn't all that exciting to me. Although, again, the younger people I find exciting, you know? Like, the the tag team match with Private Party and Jurassic Express, even though they run that match a number of times now, um, they still had a couple of moves where I was like, ooh, holy shit, that was cool. Uh, you know? So that that's what gets me. That's what makes me excited about wrestling is the the the, the wrestling moves, for the most part. <laughs> I've always been a big storyline guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But... To be, to be honest, there's times where I think that like the stories being told, like I, I, I will I ever be able to capture that 25 year old version of me who saw Tommy Dreamer versus Raven and ever have that back? Like, right. am I just too jaded in everything to get that back? So that is what I've been chasing all of this time. So how do you, I, I guess I'll ask you about sort of AEW's strongest long-term story. How do you feel about following Hangman Page through his through his saga? It does nothing for me. Uh, okay, cool. And I understand what the story is, and I understand why people are attracted to that story. But like the idea, the his struggle of not achieving doesn't speak to me where I am in my life. Right. I really think that that is, and it's the... I, it is a, a very interesting age group story. Like, everyone who I know who loves it always drops the word millennial in there. Right. So it is a story for millennials. Like, And it might be that kind of, like, the way Tommy and Raven was my kind of Gen X story. That, yeah. But, like, part of, like, the, one, of the, one of the things I don't like about it is it's a man versus himself story. It's more of he's struggling with himself, and that's not what I look for in pro wrestling. Ah. The, I'm not like I don't when there's a interpersonal struggle when it's when there's an protagonist antagonist is really interesting to me and that's kind of so I watched I made time I made to watch John Cena versus Roman Reigns live mm-hmm. because I admit I wanted Roman Reigns to win I wanted John Cena not to win mm-hmm. but I made time because that struggle the struggle between the two of them was interesting to me and roman reigns has struggled to be the head of the table while coming up against these other characters that's interesting to me that Mm. part of there is a man versus self aspect to the whole head of the table storyline and i like that but the this the struggle of ham and page i don't think it's a poorly told story it's just not capturing me but that's one of the reasons we like pro wrestling is because even if this long-term story doesn't capture you, there's another story on the card that might. Yeah, so. of course. And I mean, you know, the the reason I bring up the Hangman Page one is, like, for me, that's a story that I accidentally started following, like, three years ago. Because it's been going on a while yeah. now, right? Right. I didn't realize I was following it until I was like, oh, there's actually been a narrative thread here that's been here all along. Um, and yeah. I find that kind of stuff really rewarding. Um but uh, uh, the the reason I ask it is because, like, you might be following that story, but that story warms and cools pretty frequently, right? Yeah. Like, there might be two months that go by and nothing happens in that story until they pick it up again. Um, you know? Uh, so whereas, where, whereas for me, the sort of wrestling move fan, I kind of get what I yeah. want out of every show which is <laughs> you know or i just 
or I don't, right? I guess it's, I guess it's the same thing where it's like sometimes yeah. I go and watch a wrestling show and I'm like, nothing here did anything for me at all, right? Everything here was uninspired and repetitive and tired. And yeah. um, I feel like every single wrestler that's contracted COVID is actually like 60% worse than they were before. And no one's talking about that because <laughs> uh, they just don't have the stamina that they did before. Um, yeah. you know, I, I feel like that's one of the reasons New Japan Pro Wrestling is in the gear it's in. I feel like, I feel like that's what happened to Jericho this year. I don't just feel like he got one year older. I feel like he got COVID and then he couldn't perform a wrestling match properly anymore. So you think it aged, it's aged everyone five years? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I think, and I, I wouldn't be too surprised to hear that that's what's happened with, you know, uh, professional sports athletes too who got COVID that maybe maybe they're not hitting their numbers like they did last season. Uh, there are definitely certain people who've gotten it worse than others, and the mm-hmm. recovery period is all over the place. I remember Chris Jericho uh-huh. saying like, "Oh, he got COVID in the fall and he was asymptomatic," and I'm like, "You haven't wrestled a match longer than ten minutes all year, um, and you're gassed immediately." That is not the Chris Jericho I know. Like, yeah. So that is so no, it's I like that's that wasn't the 2020 Chris Jericho, you know, like I'm yeah. not comparing him to 98 yeah. Jericho here. <laughs> I uh, COVID is one of these big things. And even even though I'm fully vaccinated uh, and New Japan is coming to town in November, mm-hmm. they're coming to my city, mm-hmm. which big, it's going to be a big show. Don't get me wrong. I really want to go. Mm-hmm. But Without my son being vaccinated, I can't go to a pro wrestling show. No, you can't. Good for you. And that's where it's kind of one of these realizations where, especially with the current state of COVID, it's one mm-hmm. of these things where like, oh, yeah, me going and then bringing COVID home and then it impacting his school year. It's not not worth the squeeze. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a pro wrestling show. It's, as yeah. much as I love photography and pro wrestling and how New Japan is like a perfect place to do that together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go, and it, it it like hardens my heart a little bit. Um, but, that sucks. You know. Yeah, it is one of those things that like we haven't been doing a show regularly, so we haven't talked about it sixty times. What but you mean? I think the you, people. You mean the four hundred episodes we did in the last five years didn't air? Well. No, I don't know. maybe they have, but that that's so exclusive Patreon. That's the thousand dollar level Patreon. Oh yeah, only those guys. Only, yeah, yeah. Only uh, only Jason Manis are, are all those episodes. Thanks for the thousand dollars, Jason. I always appreciate it. Oh my. This God. actually, this actually, there's a side question. If Bear to Flare was happening now in the Patreon era, do you think sure. you guys would would be? going on like if you weren't pioneers if you were johnny come lately's yeah do you think you guys would be like raking in that patreon dough um okay cool so i do have thoughts about that actually like if we were if we were a group of younger people who had the time because i that's that's the secret right you need to be young and have the time um yeah. yeah we would have a bunch of paid tier stuff and we would make it good and people would pay for it the fact is we had a paid tier of thing and people bought it and it was good it, you know we had the journal and people did buy it and it was good um it, it i don't think it was a yeah uh like 
I, I actually think we would have uh, been pretty good at the tech that's out today in terms of making money off of it. Um, you know, every single social media now has a paid tier, right? Um, yeah. Like even Tumblr has a paid tier, and like that, our whole thing was on Tumblr, which is which feels so archaic, but it was 2011. It was the hot social media network of the time, um, and and if they had had a paid tier in 2011, I wonder like would that be my full time job now? You know, like would that just be what I do? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's hard to say. I we were there was a moment where we were pretty hot. Um, I don't know, you know, but like, yeah, YouTube, um, has a really good paid tier system. Um, and they're all, I I think all of these paid tier systems are like, we're sick of Patreon taking the cut, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um, we're, we're sick of everybody on our platform doing stuff for free and then they go over to Patreon and make money. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, Patreon would have, you know, if 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 we'd been if we'd been doing it in 2015, we would have had a Patreon. If we were doing it today, we might just have paid tiers on Twitter and YouTube, right? We'd have a we'd have a paid Discord channel, you know. That's how the kids are doing yeah. stuff these days. Um, but what? Wow, they're... right? I, yeah. I I don't know, but like uh, the the thing that stays the same is that you need a lot of time. <laughs> Yeah, right? you almost need to treat it like a job to be yeah. able to make something like that work. Um, and I'd say there was, you know, a six month or an eight, nine month period there where I treated it like a bit of a job and it was kind of working. And then when the four of us stopped treating it like a job is when it stopped working. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's I the technology is cooler now. Um, but I still think the secret sauce is you have to treat your passion like a full-time job in order to make it work. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, yeah, I'm a little envious of the kids who do have a lot of time right now because they have so many more ways to engage an audience. Right. Yeah. I, I I totally agree that there are a whole bunch of more ways that you can reach people and not only reach people, but monetize in a, in a way that's less dependent on outside forces like yeah. it's directly being directly to your to to your audience and saying we're going to interact directly yeah yeah and like maybe we'd have podcasts right because even podcasts have paid tiers now yeah um yeah and i i think that's cool i think for the people who really want to put in the work and do stuff like that i think that's that's fantastic um uh for, yeah for a moment there you dropped out so i thought you said Maybe we'll have pogs. And I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. No, a... we would definitely have pogs. Yeah. Fair to flare pogs. <laughs> That'd be great merch. <laughs> but no, I, I was thinking about that because, yeah, I I pay a couple wrestling podcasts for that and uh, for Patreon content. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, and... uh, I will say, though, that the same thing that happened to me might have still happened to me where um i wasn't all that good at um uh handling like a little even you know the the very little bit of fame that i got from it like especially on my twitter account at the time where i had 
way more followers than I could actually handle. Yes. Um, that might still have happened. You know, I, <laughs> I might still have just burned it all down because I couldn't handle it mentally. You know, I don't know. I God, I, I really hope they're teaching kids to prepare for that better in school, but I'm guessing they aren't. Are you saying that I need to teach my son when he's old enough to have a Twitter account how to be Twitter famous? I'm going to have to figure out whatever replaces Twitter in six years when he's old enough to have one or seven yeah. years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I think a little bit of digital literacy and uh, and what happens when 3000 people start following you for something that you feel some shame about <laughs> and you don't know how to fully handle that. You know, that's because uh, like I, I was making stuff and I was proud of it and I thought it was cool. And then I kind of too many people showed up and I didn't know how to handle it. And that's what happened to me, at least. Um, so and I, I like maybe maybe I should have gone to journalism school instead if I wanted to do stuff like this. Maybe they help you handle stuff like this. Maybe. But right? maybe it was never in your DNA. Maybe yeah. it was never in your not just your DNA, but your what makes you your your self a session yeah like i i enjoy doing this i enjoy talking to you uh and i enjoy making a little show like this um i i'm a huge advocate for make a podcast with your friends because it's a really good way to keep in touch with people that you have common interests with and like right it's actually a it's yeah. actually a great tent pole for something like that um but i and I sort of love that podcasts are still an incredibly niche thing <laughs> that, like, hasn't been totally corrupted yet. Um, you know, it kind of makes it my favorite medium. Yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, it's, it's lived a very long life of not being corrupted too badly. Yeah. I am, as I said, I've probably told you this before, I love amateurs. Mm. Amateurs are very important to me because mm-hmm. I love... Because the root of amateurs is amour. Meaning is literally to infuse with love. Mm-hmm. So there's no one should ever shame you for being an amateur. Whether you're a writer or a painter or a musician or a photographer. All of those things. Like the reason you do it might be better than the reason the person does it who's getting money. Mm-hmm. So amateur podcasters, I'm here for you. Even if uh, I'm not taking the... Uh, uh, this is the... My version of amateur versus pro is to be a pro at something, you have to be able to pay your rent with it. Mm-hmm. So once you can pay your rent doing something, that means you're a pro. If you can't pay your rent, you're still an amateur. I'm not BNCAA. I'm not going to say $1 makes you a pro. <laughs> so, yeah, if you, can't, if you can't pay your rent, you're still an amateur. Just to sort of bring this back around to finish... Uh to just say something about CM Punk that's important to me um, was that I really loved that one aspect of CM Punk's character was that he just wanted to go home. Uh, I wrote about that once a, a very long time ago, um, but I'll, I'll sort of double down on that now that, now that he's at work again, um, is that I, I loved that sort of baked into his character he wanted to leave work and go home. He like he wanted to do the work and go home and maybe not come back. Um, and that that to me was very important to see reflected in a character, um, especially in a world 
where like loving this business <laughs> was such a hardline thing. Um, you know, CM Punk might have loved wrestling, but I think what he what he really loved was going going back to where he was comfortable. Um, this is really intriguing, and it kind of I made a post saying I want to see a CM Punk versus Cody feud, mm. and this connects what you're talking about connects directly to yes. my thoughts of why I want to see CM Punk versus Cody. Me too. Me and, too. I'm I'm most excited for a CM Punk Cody story in AEW. I feel like that would be that would tug at the meta text that I know Cody loves to tug on. Like that's 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 where he's yes. a Viking is when he's talking about wrestling and about the wrestling industry, uh, you know. And I feel like almost no one else in AEW uh, does that at all. <laughs> And 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 CM Punk would be like like Cody being almost like a like a WWE cipher in that story would be extremely interesting for both of them. My, my most popular tweet of all time was about Cody Rhodes, and Cody responded. Oh yeah, and yeah, I asked him how could he ever be a heel again after people love what he did for the wrestling business. Mm. That all these people are so happy because I can clearly say without Cody Rhodes, there is no AEW. Yeah. I can say that. I don't and think, I think that's, there's, that, I, don't, I don't think that's hyperbole at all. That's defensible. And if you're Cody Rhodes, the story I'm telling is CM Punk, you hated the wrestling business, so you went home. Mm-hmm. Or you hated, you hated sports entertainment, so you went home. Mm-hmm. I hated sports entertainment. I hit the road. I hauled my ass everywhere. I went to, because he did. He went to every independent show. He booked himself everywhere. Mm -hmm. He made it, you know what I'm saying? He got into New Japan not because he was Dusty Rhodes' son, but because he got into New New Japan because he spent two years booking himself on every independent show he could. He acted like a complete lunatic for three years on being the elite. Uh, yes. in, in order so, to completely change people's perception of him. He changed and he was challenged. And the challenge of could he, could someone main event a thousand seat or 10,000 seat building? He took that as a challenge. So he took those challenges so he could say, but, and then CM Punk could say, well, I, this wouldn't be around without me because I made Ring of Honor, which to me, that, that claim is a little less yeah, I, I'll 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 step in here and be the the jerk to say that not all of this is real. Um, like there's there's a part of me that casts a little bit of doubt on Dave Meltzer just coming out with a tweet saying no, no one can fill a ten thousand seat arena. Then followed by Cody saying I'll take that bet. Then followed by them booking a ten thousand seat arena. Um. There's a part of me that thinks maybe Dave Meltzer was in on that a little bit. You think that there was a little bit of a work going on? You think I, he got worked? I think I think I've been around the wrestling world a long time, and I don't believe these people when they t- say they're telling the truth. <laughs> okay, but all right, I'll see. I see what you're saying, but yeah, I, that one just that story is just such a clean narrative that it makes me doubt. Yes. It's legitimacy a little bit. Uh, I, I'm saying if I'm booking the wrestling show, I'm leaving it in. 
legitimate oh, sure, or not. Oh, sure, sure, sure. That, no, that's a very important. That's such an important cornerstone of this whole uh, AEW story. Um, uh, that to me is less important than Dave being upset when WWE lies about the number of people in a building. It's oh, less important yeah. than that. Well, yeah, because Dave Meltzer doesn't exist to WWE, right? Like he's not part of their narrative. Yes. But Dave Meltzer exists in the narrative of AEW, right? Yeah, right. He appears yes. on their content occasionally. Yes, right. So there's there's kind of a not that he's ever been a real journalist, yeah. but there's kind of a conflict of interest there. Well, I've always had a problem when your number one journalist is also your number one critic. Yeah. Like, the, if you're the number one reviewer of matches and the number one journalist, there's going to be conflict of interest. Yeah. So, so you know, that so is... I, and <laughs> please don't take, please don't have anybody who listens to this take this as a, oh, I don't like AEW thing. Don't, don't distill it down to that. I, I, I think I've watched 90% of their programming and I, I like most of it. Um, they did promise a good women's division though, and they biffed on that. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, like I kind of wish they would just admit that it's not a priority for them and like make a women's show or something like that. I don't know, but or just have I, just have tag team wrestling. Just admit that like your singles division and your women's division don't matter to you, and just have tag team wrestling. Because uh, I feel like that's what they actually just want to do. I think that having just a women's tag team division. If you're saying this just is just women's we're... tag team wrestling only, <laughs> yeah. I think oh, oh, I literally thought you meant that for a moment. Like, no, oh wow, that'd be great. That'd be a great idea if we just have our women's tag team division. That'd be fine. That at least would be something. Um, I, think, I think that would be innovative. If you're just gonna be. have it, would be. I I wonder how much of their singles division at all is just them going. Well, this is how wrestling works, so we have to do that. But all of AEW's most exciting stuff has been with tag teams and stables. So, like, they're a tag team and stable company. I I have to say one of the things I like the most is I like stables. Mm-hmm. I like the stories you can tell with stables. I like the idea that people have friends. Yeah. I like. Boy, did they give you that on that show. I like the idea that Christian Cage sees Jungle Boy and sees this is a guy I should be helping. Mm-hmm. That, to me, that makes Jungle Boy more compelling. Mm-hmm. And it gives, makes Christian Cage more relatable to me. It's it, it's It's a... It's it's a good thing for them to do. I think that's correct, and I think maybe yeah. that's what what's what hurts their women's division is they don't have enough stables in the women's division. Yeah, I, it seems like they can't decide if there should be women's only stables or the women should be part of the men's stables. If the but, women are going to be part of the men's stables, then we need to have mixed wrestling. Um, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I do wonder if them hiring fifty percent of the Lucha Underground roster. Um, means there's just this uh, festering thing on the inside of the company that's just going, you know, we all wrestle each other, right? <laughs> uh, or, or the Tokyo Joshi wrestlers, where it's like, we've been wrestling men for years. We can do this. This isn't a problem. I, I am. Uh, I think if you, I, I always so. This there's a whole. I think we could do another uh, whole show just on oh. intergender wrestling. Yeah, I, I, I do wonder if we have more than one show in us, you know? Well, maybe. <laughs> I feel like we sort of like, and I, I'm i very much, a, uh, you came in with a purpose and something to say, and I, I, I've been all over the place, so I apologize for that. No, um, no, no problem. But it's been a minute since but, we've done this. It's exciting. 
it has been a minute and there's things wrestling things i think of from time to time and i have to say 90 percent of my wrestling is third hand i uh i listen to people talk about wrestling and then decide if i want to watch it or not Mm -hmm. so that is where i am in my life so the conversation about the conversation is really important and i think that's actually really important to wrestling Mm. i think what people are saying and actually i think a company like A&W benefits about from people talking about them more than a company like WWE. Yeah, I, did... I, I just find WWE repellent at this stage um, for lots of reasons that we could get into another time. But I just if we're just sort of doing a quick survey of my thoughts this hour, like I, I find WWE and have for a couple of years now, I find them find them repellent as fiction. Find them repellent as fiction. Yeah, like they are telling stories that are actively repulsing me. Um, it, I do think it has the ring of what who a billionaire thinks her heroes are. That is the number one thing I think of. Yeah, could be. I think that, that could this be is, a big part of it, yeah. A billionaire thinks these people are heroes, and I don't think that's a great look this day and age. And even though I know there's a billionaire at the head of the other company, Yeah, but I don't he maybe because he's younger. Maybe there's something else. Maybe he other people give him input. Maybe something like he, the way he's come about his billions, makes him a little bit more humble. But I, like I don't know I don't any know. of that, and I don't even mean in terms of how WWE runs the company or anything like that. I yeah. just like like the actual stories, beginning, middle, and end yeah. of them. I've oh, just been like, these I, are these are terrible stories you guys are telling. I'm talking about the stories. That's oh, yeah. what I'm talking about. Only like, the stories. Yeah. I always filter through, this is who Vince McMahon thinks is a hero. Right. I don't agree. Right. And it's just and, like the whole, like, we make movies thing of WWE. Well, you guys are making awful, dreadful movies lately. Oh. Okay. You know? Well, oh. I think either we end or we end up going Another 16 hour. more hours. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't even have cool suplexes right now. I can say that. There's no cool cool suplexes in the WWE. There are no cool suplexes in the WWE. So, yeah, exactly. One last question. Yeah, sure. (laughs) The second rope attitude adjustment, is that the AAA? Maybe. Did he do a cool attitude adjustment? Yeah. Uh, I didn't didn't see it. He uh, did an avalanche. I would say it's an avalanche attitude adjustment off the second rope. I will have to check it out, and I'll let you know. Okay. All right, let me know. Uh, okay, cool. All right. Really great talking to you, Rich. Um, Good talk I, to you, I appreciate Sawyer. it. And uh, yeah, we will do this again soon. And it won't be like right. six years or whatever it was. <laughs> we have, just for people, we, you and I have talked since then. We just haven't done it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have. But... All right, man. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Okay, bye.